1: Hey everybody, David here, and welcome to the ASOG podcast. Some time ago, a new member to ASOG posted an ad where they touted, quote-unquote, free diagnostics. When asked, they stated that if they had the repair done with them, they would waive the diagnostic fee. Is that a wise approach to gain the trust of your customers or provide them with an appropriate amount of value for their money? What about providing the first 15 minutes at no charge? Does giving anything away devalue our industry? To unpack these issues, I'm joined by Dutch Silverstein, the owner of a and Auto Service in Pineville, North Carolina, Bill Nalu, the owner and president of Interstate Auto Care in Madison Heights, Michigan, and Matt Skundrich, the owner of Mobile Advanced Diagnostics and Programming in Orlando, Florida. The three owners came with completely different perspectives on how to build diagnostic testing time, whether or not to give anything away, and how the customer should be approached both on the phone and in person. This conversation went way longer than we originally planned, so this is only going to be part one. Part two will be out next week. Before we begin, however, you should know that if you're an automotive industry professional or a shop owner yourself, then you are in the right place. This is a podcast created by shop owners, for shop owners, and those seeking out their perspective. We have frank, open, and even contentious conversations, like the one you're about to hear, where we discuss the struggles and challenges we have every single day and what we're trying to do about it. So, if you like this content, we'd greatly appreciate a subscription on your favorite podcast listening app. If you're on YouTube, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel so you never miss an upload. Now, with all that out of the way, here we go. I talked to Lucas uh, a couple weeks ago. Somebody had posted on the ASOC group about giving away their Diag fees if they do the repair with them. And the the person didn't like the responses that they were getting. Obviously, they ended up deleting the post. But that had been the second or third po- post I had seen with the same premise and, and that they're giving away their Diag if they do the repair with them. And these are usually one or two man operations, and they feel that it's appropriate to do that, uh, and they don't see there any anything wrong with it. And I wanted to have this discussion, which is why I threw that post up there to to get everybody riled up, and then hopefully get a few people that wanted to jump on and have a discussion about it uh, on the on this podcast. Now, I, I wanted differing opinions as well. Um, I do things a certain way at my shop. Bill, I believe you do something kind of similar to what I do. Dutch does something completely different, but maybe not. We'll see. And then uh, and then Matt deals with the aftermath of the shops that give away their diag.
2: They're so my favorite customers
1: <laughs> There you go. So so Bill, kind of describe your process, how you deal with, with, uh, with Diag, and your philosophy behind it.
3: Okay, uh, so I,
1: like I, I don't I don't charge for scanning codes. Yeah, um, there, I think the market at this point has has shown that there's at least to the consumer there's no value in it. They think that the little doodad that hooks up to the bottom of the car, the teeny tiny handheld one, is the same thing as a full blown scanner. They don't know that there are different types of codes, not just P codes, that there are manufacturer specific codes that. The codes are getting really weird in the way that that they're set up, and they don't know any of this. They just think yeah. that what AutoZone does is the same thing that I'm doing, but I'm charging a hundred bucks plus, uh, and they don't see any value in it. But how do you approach that, yeah. Bill? So to, uh, I got, I've got to cut this down to as little as possible because,
3: as you can imagine, Middle Eastern ethnic people, they can go on for for days not hours but for days so i have to i have to really be careful and and keep this conversation down to a minimum so with that said i don't have written rules for this it's really about human relations for me it's about meeting that person on the other line at their level and and i and i don't mean that in a in a in a derogatory way where they're at is if they don't have if they don't have respect for diagnostics, then and I think as an industry we 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 spend way too much time in ego and way too much time in telling people what makes us worthy of that 120, 130, 140 hour diag fee. And all the while we're not hearing a customer saying, But all I know is I was I was already given a diagnosis. You're asking me what I, whether that is actually correct or not. And I believe it is. So unless you prove me otherwise. And so I go where the customer goes. If the customer says, I've already had it diagnosed, what I say is, is it your belief that since somebody scanned your vehicle and pulled some codes out of it, that you actually have a diagnosis? If the answer is yes, I then go to the the thing that we all know about. And that is that, are you aware of the fact, You know, and I love analogies and I love stories and that's where I really enjoy conversations over the phone. And I think that's where our strength is in, in converting those calls to appointments. And what I say to folks is, supposing I'm delivering pizza to you today. If you give me your your zip code, how, how am I going to find you? you? I need the address. That's the technician. That's what we charge for. So what you have so far is a zip code. And the zip
1: code... Lucas and I have been telling you about parts tech for a while now
0: Click the link in the show notes to get started.
3: May not even be valid. Are you aware of that? Are you aware of the fact that if you had an oil change done three hours ago and the check engine light just came on and now you're sitting at AutoZone or O'Reilly's or wherever you're at, are you aware of the fact that you may need nothing? We may not even need to diagnose it. And so I try to disregard any value, any any, uh, credence, to that, I will not acknowledge that this customer is, is even unwilling to pay for the diagnostics. And I think that's where we get into trouble. Our ego says, well, we're going to have to reach an agreement that you're going to have to bring it in, and I'm going to have to write you up for $120, and then we're going to get working on your car. That's fantastic when we can convert those calls. But when you have somebody that says, well, I don't think I want to pay you for that, then... What I say to folks is, well, why don't you bring it in? We'll do exactly what you feel like you've gotten at this point from AutoZone or O'Reilly. We're going to scan codes too, but what we're going to do is we're going to lift the hood and see if there's anything obvious, anything loose or whatever. That alone will convert 50 to 60 more phone calls to appointments. And as expensive as our business is with what we're paying for, $20, $30, $40 per click, to, to, to even make it to a phone call, and we're going to just sort of, I don't know, just sort of throw away that phone call because we're not ready to meet them at their place. That's where I hope this conversation is going to go. We are brilliant people at technical things. And we are even more generous as people. Dutch, you are one of the most generous people in this industry. You, you, you live and breathe generosity. You're, you're one of the, the most generous people with your time, your talent, and your treasure, but there are those in us within us and and it's, this is it, this isn't about making anybody right or wrong. it just depends on how you want to run it. I want to elevate the emotional i q of the average shop owner who thinks that I'm giving away diagnostics and and as we talk about this, I don't want to take up too much time here at the beginning, but we'll we'll maybe get further along the way here and talk about how we're not, I'm not giving away a dime of diagnostics. And so
1: I'll, I'll, I'll leave it to you gentlemen here. I don't want to take up too much more of this time for now. So, so the pushback I think will be that you're not properly qualifying that customer. In other words, if they think that they're going to walk in and get something for free, then you're almost pulling a bait and switch on them, if you're up front with them and say, you know, if we do have to go deeper and, uh, need to actually pull out some equipment and run some actual testing that there's going to be a fee for that. And the person then will bulk. And then you spent all this time talking to them, this, that, and the other, and that, that two or three minute phone call turned into 15 minutes and you didn't convert them anyway, because they really didn't want to pay for anything. Um, or if you let them think that they're uh, they're not going to have to pay for anything, they show up, you explain to them, look, there's nothing broken or nothing obvious here. We're going to have to dig in and pull a lab scope out or we're going to have to pull out a bigger fancy, fancier scan tool or whatever. Now they're going to feel like, hey, that's not what we agreed to. This is not what I, what I showed up for. And, and they might get upset. How, how do you how do you deal with something like that? What, so, what's your let, answer? To, let me answer to that, it
3: with honey? a question. Let me answer with a question. So I have uh, uh, maybe three to five minutes invested in the phone call. Now you show up to my place of business. You walk in. I offer you coffee. I offer you water, pop. You sit down while we're checking your vehicle out for the next fifteen minutes, maybe twenty minutes, whatever it might be. You're listening or watching out on a TV. And you're not being bombarded by automotive video. You're seeing a TED talk talk about maybe integrity. Talk about uh, you're 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 looking at a uh, a, a write up on the wall where we were featured in a magazine. You're seeing ASE certifications on the wall. You're seeing a a rolling video of our technicians and what makes them uh, the, the the men that breathe life into this building. Um, I'll take my chances with a. Possibly upsetting the one out of the hundred, and and I don't mean this hypothetically. That's real data I'm giving you. One yeah. out of the hundred that walks out of here feeling like somehow they were misled into feeling into into the the idea that I'm going to give you the same exact information as the parts store that you said was diagnosing your vehicle. But now I have the the luxury, the 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 the, the blessing of being able to show you why it is that you you should that you should pay somebody good money to do good work to be able to figure out what's wrong with you you to take that pain away that you have today otherwise you wouldn't be calling us and and that's the other problem with is that we're still talking about the fact that they believe that they've got to spend money on diagnostics we're not there yet until that vehicle shows up physically in the building and we take a look at it and verify that Yes, I think we're going to go down that road. Why are we having the customer take on this moral high ground that you're charging me? You're going to charge me to check my vehicle out when I'm, talk, I'm telling you that it's one of 17 things. I know it's one of 17 things. So I'm not going to pay you $120 to tell me what is really, really easy, that it's one out of 17 things. It's either the fuel pump or the oxygen sensor, one of the four oxygen sensors, or it might be the MAP sensor, or it might be the the fuel pressure regulator. You know, those are all of the things. So what are you going to tell me that I don't already know, David? You know, it's, it's one of 17 things. And so why don't you just go ahead, figure out what's wrong with it, and let me just fix the car. That's the silly Road we're traveling down, and it's almost like you're arguing. Again, I don't mean this in a disparaging way, but you're you're arguing with a mental five year old because we're we're the professionals. We're arguing with a a child having a hissy fit in aisle three, and what we're not willing to say to that child is we're not having this conversation in the aisle. I'm going to drag you out to the car. And we're going to go home and we're going to sit down and we're going to, I'm going to train you so that the next time this happens, you'll understand this is not acceptable behavior. The problem is most of us don't have the emotional IQ to have a conversation like this with people. Um, And and the the, the ones that do are so jaded by this because phones are ringing and a lot of them are a waste of time. And so we sort of lose faith in the fact that, you know, if I told you.
1: You know, I, I, I mean, think they're they're approaching it with that assumption. Yeah, I, I think once you get into it enough phone calls, you're almost you're almost looking at the phone call as, as something that's adversarial. Because yeah. because some of these are smaller shops, they're you know one man operations, and the phone is almost a distraction from what yeah. they want to do. They're, they're yeah. doing mechanical work. They don't want to answer the phone. They don't understand that the phone is is almost you know, what, what gives the business life. You don't have that phone yeah. ringing. You're going to run out of cars to work on very quickly. Did you have something to say, yeah. Matt?
2: Yeah. So like, I'm just going to play devil advocate, Bill, and, and don't mean any disrespect to my question. It's just <laughs> literally asking a question. Um. So I heard your nice little story, right? So you talk on the phone, let's say five minutes, you get the customer to come in, you pull it into your shop and you look at it for 15 minutes. My big objection to your plan now is who's paying that tech for 15 minutes. Is he donating his time or what's going on there? Because to me, I surely don't want to go look at a car and not get paid for it. Yeah.
3: You're asking such a great question, Matt. So the the there's a lot of faith in this. The faith in that is if, if the technician feels like 15 minutes of investment in a customer's time is too – is is too expensive for his time. In other words, if the technician has no other things to do, what in the world should he or she be doing other than looking under hoods to see if there's work to be sold, if there's genuine work that, that needs to be done? Um, and the other part of that is, if they don't want to invest 15 minutes of their time, what does that say about their confidence level with the person up front selling this work, selling the business Selling the 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 why to that customer. With that said, so I pay my technicians after they understand that they should be doing it for free if they have to. If they don't understand that, we don't have a deal as as employer employee. They should want to do this for free, just like we as as shop owners should want to do this for free. And and I, I go back to to Dutch. Dutch, you tell me if you had a, a customer come in and they couldn't afford a diagnosis you, tell me how how you wouldn't provide them free diagnosis if this was a single mother with kids or somebody that's down and out you would do it
1: david would do it you know i would why, do it why is it always single mothers do you know how many single well, whatever mothers it is. i have calling up here well, whatever <laughs> what but the, the point the point yeah, always the point, single mothers <laughs> the,
3: the point gentlemen what i'm getting at is is when it comes to grace we are some of the most generous, hardworking people. We give away a lot of our time, talent, and treasure to folks that we believe deserve it. But we're on the flip side of that. The minute somebody says, "Well, I expect you to do this for free for me," we just want to just we instant divorce. I'm done with you. You never have to come in here again. And to me, we we haven't really gotten to that point. We haven't asked that customer at that point. Like I've I've had people call me, and and clearly. They they're willing to pay for a diagnosis, but they think that there's wrong with the guy. And so what I say to them is, if if I can't change your mind about the fact that I am your cheapest option today. and but but you want it, but you're charging me $140. There's this guy that'll do it for $70 an hour, whatever it might be. I said, if you don't already know that paying good money for good service. Is the is the least expensive way to hire anyone, let alone an automotive mechanic today. If you haven't already figured it out, then perhaps you should look down that road. Just see, and then and then let's keep this line of communication open. But more often than not, we hang up the phone. We're pissed at them. They're pissed at us. And and some of us get one star reviews as a result of. Well, I call them up. It sounded like they were already in a bad mood, and I, I could tell from the first second that I was sort of, uh, you know, I was already infringing on their busy day. Well, yeah. that's that. This is we're tone deaf. That's the problem. We're tone deaf yeah. as an as a, 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 a by and large.
1: To answer your question, Matt, like at at my shop, I pay my guys salary, so they're not. It's not free. They're getting paid, and. So if they do have to go out and I'm not charging them for whatever it is I need them to do and um, they're still getting paid. I'm not getting paid, <laughs> but the technician always gets paid. And I do that for that. That's one of the reasons I do that. And if the other is that I don't like calculating payroll it's just one button and I'm done. Um, but. I want to make sure that if I do need them to do something for, you know, the the little old lady who pulls up and she's just wants somebody to check air in her tires. Yeah. There's no fee for that. I'm not going to charge her money. I've got to pull a technician out of the Bay and Hey, go out there and, and, uh, and, and check her, her tire pressure for her check her oil this that and the other and I want my guys to just do it and and not worry about hey am I going to get paid for this so th- that's one of the reasons why I pay my guys salary and that just sort of throws that whole thing um that uh, that objection out the window um but and and Dutch is holding back for some reason but <laughs> where where my my approach is a little bit different I I have some of that conversation on the phone bill I don't I make it very, very clear that what they got done at the parts store is just step one. And I tell them, I said, look, scanning the car is absolutely free. I do not charge to do that. If you wanted to go to the parts store and have them scan the car for you, great. I can do that here for you, and I don't charge. But once we've scanned the car and we've looked at the vehicle and we've assessed that the vehicle needs test A, B, and C, there will be a fee for that. The difference, though, is I tell them I want them comfortable that they're not going to end up with a $5,000 bill without their approval. And and in my mind, where you're taking the approach of, you know, let's make them comfortable with this particular situation. So I'm going to give away some of my time. I'm going to give away some of my technician's time. I've taken the approach of I'm going to charge you X, and I'm not going to uh, do anything more than X. I'm not going to charge you another dime without your explicit approval. We are agreeing that at the very most, you're going to walk out of here with this bill, and I'm going to be able to tell you X, Y, and Z, whatever that happens to be. So if they have, uh, if they've got an overheating issue uh, and they don't know why it's overheating, I'm going to tell them, uh, well, we're going to run a couple of tests. We're going to do a pressure test to see if we can find where the leak is coming from. Because you overheated the car, we're going to really need to check to make sure that the head gasket is okay and that there is an additional engine damage. For those two two tests, I charge whatever, and and then but I'm not going to charge you another dime past that but you're going to walk out of here knowing that this is what's leaking. This is one of the leaks at the very least. And whether or not the head gasket is okay uh or the in, you know the inside of the engine's okay. And so if they're not comfortable with that, then at at that point I feel like I've disqualified them. Because if they don't re- they don't want their problem fixed, they just need somebody to to I don't, I don't even know why they would call if if they're not willing to spend any money, but I I think that's usually why uh, somebody is hesitant to walk into a shop is because when they make that phone call and they say, I've got this problem, but I don't want you to charge me a bunch of money. They don't know what that looks like. They don't know what it's going to look like to figure out what is wrong with their car. And so I try to put a a framework around. I haven't looked at the car or anything like that, but they're telling me that it's overheating. So at the very least I can tell them, look, it's going to be this much in testing but I'm going to be able to tell you this information. And with that information, it's incredibly powerful. And I can at least estimate the vehicle and I can tell you what it's going to take to repair. If you're not comfortable with that, then we're we're not a good fit. If you expect me to roll that into the repair, we're not a good fit. And I just, I kind of laid that out to them. And if they're, and I'm telling you, it works 70, 80% of the time. Um, And in the few instances that it doesn't, it's because they were, they were, Maybe used to the cheaper shop that is willing to eat the the diag in order to get the repair, or they're not used to paying anything for diag, which is another problem. Or testing—I shouldn't even call it diag. What about you, Dutch? Uh, what, what are your thoughts? You, you
3: can't swear at us, Dutch. No, there's, I'm not. No I'm swearing.
4: not. I'm not swearing. This. There's, there's so very, very, very much wrong with this that. I scarcely know where to begin.
2: Do it, do it. Just start at the beginning and go from there. I'm screaming inside.
4: Um, we have as professionals, and that's the way I'm going to consider us. We have professionals, knowledge and skills that are worth money. They provide value. They are worth value. Giving Part of that service away free. The service that requires the dedication and an expense that it took to achieve the knowledge and skills that are to be benefit, beneficial, excuse me, to our customer or client is absolutely inappropriate, amateurish, and it devalues our expertise. It sets false expectations in the marketplace. If there was ever a word, a single word, that is the source of frustration and likely the most headaches for shop owners, it's got to be diagnostics. Due to the influence of big box auto parts stores, it doesn't matter which one it is, and the internet with YouTube mechanics, et cetera, much of the motoring public incorrectly believes that a printout produced by an inexpensive handheld code reader, which is used by an untrained, typically parts store clerk represents an accurate diagnosis of a vehicle's problem. As professionals, we know, we absolutely know that that's unequivocally untrue. So I tell people, I want you to eliminate the word diagnostic from your vocabulary when speaking to the public because you have to remember that a diagnosis is the end result of a careful methodical evaluation that includes testing of various system components of their vehicle. If we are to be perceived as automotive repair professionals You're not providing a diagnosis that consists of a simple printout that lists five or seven or three possible uh, causes in order of the statistical likelihood of failure. You are providing a detailed evaluation that includes testing, which offers incontrovertible proof, proof beyond contestation of a component or system failure as well as a solution to returning the vehicle to proper running condition. This testing and charging appropriately for this testing is a sign of a consummate, a hallmark of a consummate professional. When I get somebody on the phone and says my check engine light is on, okay, And this is what I think is wrong. I developed a procedure to handle this. And I say, that's great, because it is great. How did you arrive at that conclusion? Well, I went to XYZ, ABC123, and they told me. And I say, that's great, because again, it is great. I want them to know that I'm not against them. What test did you run to confirm that? What? What test did you run to confirm that that's what's what's wrong? So if you go and it's kind of procedural, I don't. I don't want to. It takes about a whole three minutes, and I could go over it here if you wanted. It's it's actually in the the ASOG file section. Um, the object is for me to be transparent, and what I want them to do is I want them to understand, because I'm going to spend two to three minutes using. the the plan that I have, to explain to them where their value is going to be and what they're holding on to in their hand is incomplete. And I further reinforce that when they arrive. Now, if they just show up, if they're a walk-in, for example, or if they're scheduled, for example, let's pretend something. Hey, I'm scheduled to, for an oil change service and rotate the tires. And oh, by the way, on the way over here, the, the check engine light illuminated. Then, uh, and I stopped in at ABC 123 and they told me it's this. Then I go back into that same protocol. Under no circumstance, under no circumstance, except for personal choice. And this answers your question, Bill. yes. I have given away services, but that's my choice as a shop owner who knows how much money I have in the account, how much work my guys have had to provide that service free of charge. And I do that for veterans, et cetera, et cetera, because that's my choice. When someone comes up and expects me to do it, well, we're going to have a discussion because the hallmark of a professional is being charged for your service. I don't know of any other profession where you can go to an architect and say, I'd like you to, to build me, uh, excuse me, to draw up plans for an X room house. And by the way, I want you to throw in the bonus room plans freight. I don't know that you go to your dentist and go, I got a problem with my tooth. Um, but if you fix it, I want you to throw in the X-ray free. I don't. I don't need an X-ray. See, because I already know I got a toothache, I, I, and I know why. Because I can see the hole in it. So I don't need an X-ray.
3: Dutch, there's nothing that you're saying that I could disagree with. Let's li- like literally, you and I do business exactly the same way. I just choose to have that conversation that you're talking about at my counter, yeah. because at the counter. They're looking at somebody, and they're being bombarded by integrity, by by um, by proficiency. There, there's, there's no way you can walk into my building and not realize this is an entirely different kind of place, because all it takes is about five or ten minutes of sitting in the waiting room, and just absorbing. You could have another customer in there, and I can't tell you how. Much easier that conversation that you're having with that customer over the phone is it, you like I'm telling you this you already know that but for whatever reason and, and here's the other part of this is you're talking about Dutch Silverstein, industry veteran, industry legend leader and I'm not I, I don't I don't throw around compliments for nothing. I mean that from the bottom of my heart you know Your it, check
4: will be arriving shortly
3: but ser- seriously you're you're an industry legend. I'm talking, you and I are talking about the guy that's a two years removed from being the head technician. He now bought his own two-bay facility, and he is ripping his hair out of his head because or her head. Well, actually, it wouldn't be her head because women are are much better at this than we are. But he's ripping his hair out of his head because what he thinks is his enemy on the other line asking price is really he's looking – for some guidance, and what I'm hoping that they get from this this uh, broadcast is that you're going to do business the way you want to do them. We're all we're, we're all that's why we're independents. There is no franchise agreement. We all have our own style. All I want to bring into this conversation is that we're essentially on the same team. We're doing the same thing. I do not give away Diag. My only thing. Th- this is let me put it to you this way. So I have a, this is a typical situation. Customer calls and says here's my problem. I need to misdiagnose, but I already have it diagnosed. And what I say to them is, is, so you have the, and I do say the same thing, the x-ray thing. I said, so let me get this straight. So you've got the x-ray from the dealership. You want me to install this this evaporative emissions uh, part. And so once we install this canister solenoid, what happens if this if this light is still on? And, and if they say yes, what I say to them is, do you believe that that you call somebody who's willing to perform an operation on your vehicle on somebody else's x-ray. I have to own that. And so then the the, the million-dollar question is, well, I don't want to have to pay for diagnostics the second time, to which I answer, well, you're not paying for diagnostics the second time. We roll our diagnostic fee into the repair. And this is where I think some of this, this is where, where we may be able to take this conversation. I guess if if you go book time, if, if that two-hour job that's in Mitchell or in Motor or whatever, if that's what you're paying the technician, two hours, then maybe that's where the problem is at. So we take our diagnostic time, we roll it into the labor time, and it becomes three hours to diagnose and replace, blah, 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 blah. So I don't know what you would say about that, but that takes that conversation right off the table. When somebody says, well, what about my diag fee? I say, well, that diag fee on that line item, because we job cost everything, that diagnostic fee goes to zero, and then it goes to a three-hour job that's going to take our technician two hours to do. Guess what? We still charge the three hours, but it's on the invoice. You know, it it, it doesn't matter. They don't see hours, and why are we looking at hours? This is what we're charging. The technician's still getting paid for this. Matt, do you have a problem with that?
2: Yes and no. Um In some ways, I feel you're being dishonest. I mean, why not then just make your labor rate 20 bucks an hour and just mark everything up 10 times to get your 200 bucks an hour or whatever you're at?
3: Yeah.
2: I mean, at a certain point, if we can't be honest and upfront with our customers, what are we doing in business?
3: It's, but what's dishonest about saying to the customer, this is what you've authorized in diagnostic time, right? Once you say once you tell this customer it's going to be $550 to replace said part and you know labor and all this other stuff, how many folks are you actually getting that are saying, well, wait a minute, hold on a second here. I checked with the three other places and I'm getting $450. So are you rolling in this cost of this labor into this? Like, are you actually having conversations with people? And if so, then that's the customer that you don't need in your database anyway. Like, we're talking about the 1%. This conversation is literally about 1% of our customer database. The problem with that is if you're a newbie in this industry and you don't know exactly what is happening here, how to navigate through these waters, it's like
1: 50% of your database that are doing this to you. Am I right or am I not? No. I I would say it's it's a large portion of my new phone calls. Yeah, because we are, you know, I think you run Google ads, Bill, and yeah. I do as well. And so that, that tends to generate a whole lot of, I've never called you before. I don't know you at all phone calls. And these are people with problems. Um, my mm-hmm. car's overheating, the check engine lights flashing, this, that, and the other. And so you've got to be able to convert that because just like you said, Bill, it is $20, 30 not per phone call, but <clears throat> It, it, um, it's it can be expensive. Yeah, it yeah. can be expensive, but because every single phone call of a, that, uh, of someone potentially new is, uh, costing you money, it's incredibly important that you do your absolute best to one, not see it adversarially and know that, Hey, that's, I've, I've spent a lot of money to get that phone to ring. And this person, uh, has cost me money already. So I need to do my very best to explain to them the process, show them that we can deliver value to them, show them that we are their best option in most cases, not every case, but in most cases, and then convert them, get them in the door. And, but the problem is I I don't, although I I agree with uh, having some of that conversation up front or uh, in person is beneficial you have a beautiful shop bill and that would work for Dutch too. Cause this shop is absolutely gorgeous. Mine is not mine's adequate. And so, uh, you know, and I play that up. I I'm like, Oh, we're the down home mom and pop little rinky dink shop. Um, and, and that's sort of the shtick that we, we go with because a lot of shops aren't quite, as nice or not even a portion of how nice, uh, yours is bill and and yours Dutch. So what do you say to that shop owner then that, that doesn't have, uh, you know, I call it a Taj Mahal shop, doesn't have the Taj Mahal shop. Um, and, and can't, can't overwhelm them with that, that whole, um, environment because yeah, you walk into your shop and you're getting bombarded in this, that, it feels different. You're going to, you're going to. Uh, psychologically you're going to let your guard down um this looks like an operation they know what they're doing and, and the same thing goes uh, at dutch's shop as well well they, they come into my shop and you know i mean it's it's at least clean uh it's neat up front it's fairly organized in the back shop um there isn't like loud music playing there's it isn't chaotic uh but we don't. We don't have the the auto net TV thing playing. I don't have soft music with the the uh, air freshener going off and the, this, that, and the other. It, it's not like that at all. You, it just it's a desk. You know, there's a little seating area. You know, there's some cookies there because we're giving away cookies, and that, that's about it. Yeah. Um. There's no frills, and so yeah. I prefer to have that conversation on the phone to the best of my ability to. One, I uh, I don't like to have a lot of people in my lobby at all. Ever uh, makes me nervous. And then <laughs> if I can if I can figure out that this person is either going to be a good fit or not a good fit on the phone, based on just some key phrases we can tell them, um, then that's going to eliminate a lot of wasted time.
4: Well, see, so that's what do you what oh, do you tell
1: the the, the the what do you tell that small shop owner, the, the, the shop owner that doesn't have the pinball machine and doesn't have the TVs going off everywhere. doesn't have more than one service advisor. Like what do you, what do you tell that smaller shop owner?
2: And that's, that's my problem because that's the shop owners I see, right? So they're the guys that any person who comes in that door, they're counting on them basically to pay their bills. Most of my customers, because I don't own a shop, I do mobile repair, are the one to two-year-old shops. These are the guys barely scraping by to make it. They're hoping that next year is going to get better. They can retain these clients. And so they don't fully have the stuff to wow these customers in their waiting rooms most of the times, kind of like David said. And so I think the whole... Bait and switch, as I'm just going to call it to keep it simple, it it works if you have a nice shop and you can show the person, hey, check this out, da da da. But I mean, I got people that are in, I I call them like warehouses. There's garage door after garage door after garage door. There might be 20 shops in that area. I mean, I I see a totally different level of clientele that has to deal with these customers and what you're saying. And while your method works for you universally, I, I think your method's very flawed.
1: Well, the, I was in the I was in a, a strip mall. I had a shop to the left of me. At one point, a shop to the right of me. A shop across the parking lot, and a shop at the very end corner of the uh, of the strip mall. All in one parking lot. We all shared the same parking lot, and. That, that's how many shops I had around me. So I can understand the shop owner that says, you know what? We're going to get him in the door. And the way we're going to get him in the door is by telling him we're going to roll that die again. That sort of makes the conversation as easy as yeah, possible. Look, Hang on. Yeah. Somebody hey, just cut out. There testing. you go. Okay. Yeah. What, say that again.
4: Uh, somebody, you just dropped out for a second. So there was a moment of glorious silence as we didn't have to listen to you speak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Matt, can I just answer one thing that you said? The 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 word the, the term bait and switch, um, where it applies, I would bury those people, whether they're uh, in the heating and cooling, auto repair, uh, attorneys, doctors, I would bury those people under a prison, okay? That let there be no doubt about the fact that the four men on this call all agree to that. Having said that, yeah. I'm going to tell you a story about the most beautiful woman that I've ever, ever met in my life. That would have had nothing to do with me, had we started talking about all of the flaws that this this man that she was going to marry. Now twenty five years later, I I, I'm, I was playing way above my league, and there's no way you're going to deserve the the level of customers. In order, if you're if you're a young shop owner, please hear me. If you're if you're if you're listening, if you're a young shop owner. You need to fill tables. You need to fill base. Whatever you have to do to get that customer to understand that you are the cheapest option for them at their front door. And if you're doing good work and you're providing good services and you're doing it in honest and you're working your butt off doing this, what difference does it make whether whether the Diag fee is in there or not? The technicians are getting paid what they're supposed to be paid to be able to stay there. I mean, all... All of this principle ship is, is fine and dandy. That's wonderful. But if that customer isn't walking in the door and those technicians aren't there because they're going to go to somewhere that is more diplomatic with customers, it's like, let me just get, let me give you the story. So I had a lady call me one day, very, very difficult. I thought to myself, because we're essentially running a crisis hotline and I can help you. I believe I can convert you to, to my way of thinking, and I don't mean you guys, I'm talking about the customer. As, uh, once you hang up, you just jumped off the bridge and I can't come after you. So as long as you're on the phone, we will talk, not for an hour, not for 20 minutes. We'll talk maybe for five or 10 minutes. At some point in time, the closer is going to be, well, Matt, it, it sounds like all the conversation that we've had at this point, it sounds like you're still doing some thinking. So by all means, please do some more research and then give me a call back if you have any further questions. That's my close. That, that shuts down the call within 30 seconds at that point in time. Having said that, a a young mother comes in with her daughter and um, we were talking about, she's talking about how expensive, she doesn't think the car's worth putting the money into and she didn't want to pay the diag fee. So- I found this out after I said to her, I said to her, can you tell me what's the pain point? Where's the fear coming from? I sense fear. Is that correct? She says, that's exactly what I'm feeling right now. I'm, I'm afraid that I'm going to put bad money, you know, good money after bad. And I don't have a whole lot of money to work with. So I said, so give me your worst fear here. She said, my worst fear is that this car isn't worth putting money into. I said, excellent. Okay, so what if we got you in here? Let's get you in here. All I need you to do is, is there's a $120 diagnostic fee that we apply toward the repair. And she says to me, what if it turns out that, um, that, uh, that this car isn't worth putting money into? And I said, what if I don't answer that right now? Do you trust me enough to not answer that question right now? So she shows up she's sitting in the waiting room and and we get the car in and she's just sort of sitting there she comes over to the counter she puts a dollar on the counter I said what's this for she says this is for the the pop that's in the fridge I said did you see a price on that any of that she says no I said why do you think you know do you need to pay for the pop she says well you know I I don't want to I don't want to presume I said well if I was your friend and I you know if if I was visiting your house and we were good enough friends where I could go in your refrigerator and and get a pop would you expect me to pay for it? She says, of course not. I said, well, why not? She says, because you're a guest. I said, well, you're a guest. So she walks away, comes back 30 seconds later and says, let me have some, can I have some quarters for the the Gallagher machine that you guys have for my daughter to play with it? I said, did you see a price on that either? And she laughs and she walks away. And what ended up happening is the car, in fact, needed more work than it was worth. Um, I delivered good news to her or bad news in a very good news way. She said, well, she said, so Mr. Sunshine Bill, what did you say now? This car isn't worth putting the money into. I said, well, you're right. So I'm not even going to bother charging you with this. I said, what we're going to do is we're going to help you find another used vehicle. And so then, then we developed a relationship on me empowering her to be the best consumer of buying a used car, which I think I can do better than anybody in this world. And so we helped her find a used car. She's a customer to this day. And I can't even tell you how many people she's re- referred to us. You gentlemen tell me how giving away an hour of diagnostic wasn't worth that relationship. I probably, it's probably $10,000 sitting in my database right now because of that, that, that relationship. But,
4: but you've what you described is an atypical interaction.
2: Relationship exactly. Pardon? That is not the shops I'm walking into. If I walked into a shop and they had free soda and a Gallagher machine, I would go, okay, first off, why am I here diagnosing a car? Second, how messed up is this car that I have to diagnose that I really <laughs> should have asked a lot more questions on the phone? I mean, your shop is so atypical that I don't even know it exists. I can name a hundred shops
3: that don't even meet any of those criteria you just said. So, so then, Matt, why are we talking about our this conversation right now rather than building the shop owner to be to do business the way they want to do to the extent that they may be that they may see a difference between what Dutch is doing and what David and I are doing? Isn't that, are we are we not having the wrong conversation then? No, you see, well, this is. Oh, I'm sorry, Matt.
4: Go ahead. This I just this, no. All right, let's. I'm sorry this was a hey. listening skill thing that we were talking about, Matt, and I'm the one that's you dropping the ball. I'm, I'm, I'm the one that's <laughs> dropping the ball here, but I, I, I can't. I, I, there's some stuff I got to <laughs> let slide by and some other stuff I'm going put both feet in. All right. A couple of things, all right? Number one, I'm not looking to be the cheapest anything, and I'm not going to tell that customer if you come in, I will be your cheapest option for doing this. I don't want cheap. I hate cheap. I don't want cheap in I have a list of words that that uh, are forbidden in my shop and that's in one of them. Okay? We are, we are not cheap at all. I am not the most expensive out there, but I'm not cheap. I don't want to be cheap. I don't even like the word. It makes my skin crawl. All right? I am not going to be Wait. Stand by. <laughs> Number let 2. Finish, let him finish. Okay? Number 2. All right, and it's just a few more, so and before I rip you a new one. OK, number two, <laughs> when you have a, a new tech, we, we, have the example of, of, uh, uh, we have the example of a new tech that started a business. I want you to listen carefully here. Listen to the businessman, right? A lot of techs that go out on their own deserve to fail. I want you to understand what I just said. Just because you can doesn't mean that you should. And most of the techs that are going out and struggling and they do that, it's because they left their previous place typically, all right, broad, sweeping generalization way too early with that, and they were undercapitalized. They can't afford to be in business. So that is a problem that I or you didn't create. All right. That's that rests solely on their shoulders. And because of that, because they are undercapitalized, because they're, as we used to say in the additional transit, uh, because their eyes were bigger than their stomach. Yes. Okay. Then what happens is they wind up running a fear based business. And a fear based business justifies a lot of reprehensible. Business tactics that are seen in our industry that are single-handedly, or more since there's more than one, but that that contribute to the lousy reputation and the lack of the deserved status that we should share. See, the the, the guy who who runs the fear-based business is afraid that if he charges more than his, his competitors, that his business is going to suffer and fail. That if he doesn't uh, install customer-supplied parts, that his business is going to fail. That if he doesn't roll in the diag or give the diag away, and I'm not talking about you and your circumstance because you've been around for a while, but the younger guy who says he's going to suffer and fail, okay? That if you perform a multi-point inspection, the 30-point, 40-point, whatever it is you guys do, right? Uh, of a car that you're going to be accused by the owner of fishing, quote unquote, for business. And the list of these things goes on and on. And I could list like 15, 20 of them, right? I don't, it's not that I want to see the young guy fail because the young guy is the future of the business. I want the young guy to have a solid foundation in the product that he's delivering to his consumers as he acts as an advocate. And he can't do that if he's afraid. He can't do that if he doesn't value his own service. He can't do that if he doesn't pre-qualify the customer on the phone to let them know, hey, we're not goober. We are going to charge you because we are professionals. That's what professionals do. Every time you give something away free, you set a market expectation that your service isn't worth spit. And you better understand that. The young guy he doesn't know any better. He doesn't know any better, right? I just want to get people in the door. I just want to get people in the door. And he winds up running a transaction-based business where he ultimately gets really, really busy and he's making no effing money.
3: Some of the best advice I ever got was free advice from some of the wisest men and women in this industry. And I wonder if... If I was, I wonder what would have happened had they said, here's what's going on, Bill. Here's look, I would be, I'd be, I'd love to be able to talk to you. The only thing that, that I need to, be, I could, I could provide you a hundred thousand dollars in gross sales after an hour's conversation of what I have to tell you. If you just do the three things that I'm going to tell you over the hour, I need you to pay for that upfront. And then if, if you don't think you got the, the value for that, you don't even have to pay me for that. I don't know if I was in a position to be able to, if I was wise enough at that point to, to, to think that this somehow I'm going to get,
1: cause that's the, the problem with, with, with what you're saying to me. Whoa, 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 is, whoa. I think, I, I don't, I don't know that that's no, a good analogy. It is. I mean, I don't, personally, I don't agree with that analogy The the difference, I will sit on the phone and I will. Very calmly and very thoroughly explain to the customer what it is that we're doing and why they need to pay me for it, which would be the same thing as you sitting down with somebody and getting you know several hours of just free advice in a conversation. The difference, though, is... Them saying, well, I'm going to come into your business, I'm going to do a full walk around, I'm going to check how the, the business works, and then I'm going to sit down and I'm going to go through your p and I'm going to go through your QuickBooks, your chart of accounts, and then if I decide that I can make good money on you, then we're going to discuss my fees. And that's fine if they want to do it that way, but sitting down and just having a conversation saying, here's what I can do to help you. Here's some free advice. I offer a lot of free advice to my customers. Yeah. It's not a good idea to do X, Y, and Z. I had a customer call yesterday. They wanted to drive three hours, four hours, something like that to a used car lot that's by my shop. And that's why they were calling me. It's like, hey, can I bring this car over to you to have it looked at? The vehicle was way uh, cheaper than it should have been. And the reason why was that it had a salvage title. Yeah. And so I explained to him what that looks like. Why are they selling it so cheap? You know, what kind of vehicle makes its way into a shop that they can just flip the car uh, cheaply and why the guy was able to or uh, willing to negotiate for to such a low price on that particular vehicle. And He got excited because it was like a 2014. He was going to buy it at Four or $5,000 under market value. Uh, And I explained to him why. Why is it four or $5,000 under market value? Here's what's going to happen. It's not a good idea. And he said, okay, thanks for the free advice. I really appreciate it. And I spent, I don't know, maybe seven or eight minutes on the phone with him, but I could have. I've could have said, yeah, come on down. I'm going to charge you 150 bucks to do the pre-purchase inspection. This, that, and the other. It wasn't a good idea, and that I think that's what Dutch is talking about about being an advocate.
3: Yeah, D- David, what you did is you saved that guy from himself. Sure. And maybe at the end of this conversation, what we're doing is we're we're saying to that young shop owner, or maybe maybe that disillusioned, you know, 30 year veteran uh, that can't deal with the commoditization. Of much of of his industry, maybe his maybe his his uh, neighborhood is changing. You've got a, a slew of young people that want to text and that want to price upfront, and 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 again, I go back to this. There's nothing that we disagree on here. It's completely inappropriate. It's no less inappropriate to have a conversation about price. On the phone like this, than it is to literally walk up to somebody that you want to date and say how much right up front. You you you'd get smacked, and you deservedly would get smacked.
4: No, typically I, how- I get a bill. <laughs> <laughs> that that's the way. Where how much? This is it. Uh, you want that cash? You, have, what's, you really quick. what's 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 the, the you know what's the fee <laughs> so, for this? If I use Visa or Mastercard, yeah. what's the exchange rate? Who's your provider? Your credit card <laughs> provider? I'm, this is what I go. Yeah, that's that. It worked for me. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm
3: looking. I'm looking at the at the timeline. There's a red flag that David's putting up right there. That's what I think. That's where he's cutting. It's like a scissor. Like <laughs> wait, wait. It's a chainsaw, not a scissors. <laughs> but that, that's the. See, this is the, this is what I think is is wonderful about this because whoever is going to be hearing this, it's okay to disagree. Veterans in an industry, it's okay for us to disagree because, after all, you're going to decide to run it the, the way that you're running it until it doesn't work for you anymore. At that point in time, maybe now you're looking for a different approach and it's, you know, we are talking about this. I, I just, for the record here, about 80 to 90% of the customers we're on the phone with, we can have a discussion with them about what we charge for a Diag fee and they come in and they pay for this. Again, we're, we're talking about the, the, the small minority of customers who are going to press you? Who are going to drive you to your seventh or eighth degree in that black belt judo conversation over the phone? And and all I'm saying is we do entirely too much uh, preaching or talking, and we don't ask the question of all questions, and that is that what is it that you're afraid of? And and what what they either either they don't respect the fact that we should charge for diagnostics. Or they just feel like, I just want to get my money's worth. And, and asking a few more questions, look, literally 45 seconds into the conversation later, that becomes a moot point and they come in. It's easy for me to say, I've been doing this for 30 years. Easy for you to say, Dutch, you've been doing this for 30 years plus. Uh, David, I don't know how long you've been doing this. You're a young guy. 20 minutes. 20 minutes there you go but but
1: it's an entirely different thing when uh, you know again i, I well that, that's my point is because i've only been doing this for 20 minutes <laughs> that's why I, I need crutches i'm i'm it, i'm not joking i need crutches look i can't i can't tout i've got a galaga machine although that is on the list so trust me i'm going to get an arcade machine into the shop as fast as possible i won't get any work done but still. uh how is that different and, and from I what you're doing now i'm I know. i, know, I I'm not, I'm gonna delete this part out i was playing oregon trail yesterday uh, <laughs> just because i saw i saw i could play oregon trail and i played it as a kid and i'm like i haven't played that in i don't know 35 years i want to play that anyway so um it because i've only been doing it for 20 minutes i i need uh i need crutches and so some of the things that I tell my customers is, hey, we're only going to charge you X amount of dollars. You won't get charged a dime over and above that. And and try to insert some value the difference between the shop down the street and what I do is that we take pictures of absolutely everything. I want you to know that we put work into this vehicle. I want you to see what we're seeing. I want you to see the level of sophistication that we bring to the table is not the same thing as the guy down the street just poking it with a with an LED test light. Not even an old school test light. He gets an LED test light and he's determining that part has failed we bring a higher level of sophistication into our diagnostic process in order for us to test that part we have to well, we're going to charge x amount of dollars but you're going to see exactly why we're making our recommendation and again the idea is to lower that Uh, apprehension on the customer's side, uh, that one, I'm just going to take them that I'm not going to be able to bring that. I'm not actually bringing any value to the table. And that's why I tell them about the pictures. And uh, I want to remove that apprehension that I'm going to charge them, you know, four or $500. And this happened here recently. I had a customer come in. Uh, it brought me this clapped out. Nissan Frontier. The guy had been up to a different shop, uh, and the guy, I'm not sure what he did uh, as far as testing, but the guy charged him $450, and couldn't be bothered to outline the tests that he ran, because the guy showed up here, he handed me a receipt, and he's like, look, they just charged me $450 up the street. They told me I need a TCM, I need a cluster, and I need an IPDM and i said well that's weird what what test did he run and he goes i don't know this is what he gave me and the piece of paper said 450 diag needs cluster tcm ipd i hate that that's it that's that was that. that was it and i'm like the guy and i'm like And and I'm asking him questions. I'm trying to get out of him that maybe he had a, an in-depth conversation with this, with this customer that the, the guy who did the work, you know, really tried. (laughs) And it it turns out he's like, no, I asked for a receipt. And then the gal up front went back and said, Hey, what do you want me to put on this receipt? (laughs) And, and the guy came back and that's, she typed it up and that's what they handed me $450. You know what was wrong with the vehicle? The cluster was shorting out the can lines that was that what that was it he didn 't need a tCM he didn't need an ipdm he didn't need any of that garbage and it, it needed a battery and a cluster and that 's it and um but the guy didn't do any i, I mean maybe he did some testing I, I don't know what he did and and that's sort of that's the perception in my mind that's i think when customers call us up they think that 's what they 're going to get a four hundred and fifty dollar bill with no clarification. Vague terminology on their invoice, and some gal up front walking to the back to figure out what so, to put on the invoice.
3: So, Dave, can and I interrupt I, you for one second? Sure. I, I just so Dutch earlier said, uh, "I hate the word cheap. I'm not the cheapest guy in town. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't like the word cheap any more than anybody else does. You know, I have a, a visceral hatred for for that word because it's demeaning and it's and it's disrespectful. However. That's the language that the customer is speaking. And so being that I'm trilingual, um, I'm going to speak the customer's language in this. So I I don't understand why fellow shop owners like me don't understand that they're the least expensive option in town. Why? why? do And if the word cheap doesn't fit, then use less expensive. I don't really care. To me, they're synonymous with that. When a customer says, I want to do this as cheap as possible, I raise my hand and say, congratulations, you found us. When do you want to bring it in? Would you prefer today or would you prefer tomorrow?
1: And because so when the customer
3: says, "Genuous," yeah, uh, it's not absolutely not. No Dutch. What do you think? With all what, respect, do you,
4: what do you think no. the customer thinks when you say, "Congratulations, you found us"? What do you think in their mind? Do you think, ah, this is the best value that I am going to receive, which is what you hope that they receive, or they're going I mean, to think hustle, of
1: yeah, that, dollars? That prime Let thing. me answer dollars. it
3: this way. Okay, let me answer it this way. So your ARO is probably right where Ryan is. At $600 ARO, do you think I'm getting twelve ninety five dollars oil change shoppers coming in?
4: I don't know what you're doing for marketing.
3: Practically nothing. Almost nothing. So we have a, a great relationship with the local Costco. I can't even tell you how much uh, business we get from referrals, just word of mouth referrals through the tire center. So my, my point about this is, I want to speak the customer's language. When the customer says, I want, I want to get everything for nothing, what I, what I want to say to them is, well, how about we start a conversation? Why don't you come in and let's talk about that? If I have time. If I don't have time, I don't have time. I don't do it. And, and it's all about base space. If I've got a, a bay or two, if it's a slow week, I'll spend a little bit more time. If I don't, I spend less time. You know, no different than what you would do. I just I just cannot take any more of of this. And I'm not speaking to you. I'm just speaking to the, the industry in general. Like I was speaking to a, a, a fellow, a bunch of shop owners here in, in Grand Rapids. I was doing a presentation. And so I raised my hand and I said, how many of you are proud to be the most expensive guy in your block and, and aren't going to apologize for it? Every one of these guys that got as much time as us, they raised their hands. I'm like, why the hell are you guys raising up your hands? You're the cheapest guys in town. You do great work. You stand behind it like nobody does. You provide, you know, uh, 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 you know, you guys are are uh, are providing all kinds of benefits to your to your neighborhood and to your community. Why why is it that the guy who's ripping people off for $450 for for $150 a word, you know, diagnose, replace part or whatever the hell is, three words, $450? Why isn't that guy more expensive than we are? And the and the reason is, is because the perception is, is the $12.95 oil change guy uh, is cheaper than the $60 oil change. Like We have semi-synthetic oil. We're going to go to full synthetic because the price differential isn't that much. What do you think that's going to do? It's going to drive all of the, the bottom feeders away from the market. And we're essentially, when somebody says, well, but you've got a $60 oil change. I say, but you're buying two oil changes for the price of one. All you're doing... Is you, Well, yeah, but I prefer the 3,000-mile oil changes because I get my car in sooner. Well, you're going to have twice the oil that's in the vehicle. And if, and if you're our customer, you just swing by anyways, and we'll top up your fluids. You need washer solvent, 2,000 miles later, 1,500 miles later, you pull up just like the old days because you've been my customer for 25 years, just like when you were at the shell station. You pull right up. You hit the horn. We come out. We take care of your tire pressure. We top up your fluids because you're worth it to me. Because you contribute to my six hundred dollar ARO. So I don't I don't know why it is that we're not willing to just I, sort of say see, call, I, call I it see whatever, whatever you want to call, call it. From. We're yeah, the less- I, I
1: see I, I see the it, it's it's almost elitism, right? It's it's this perception that oh I'm good but I think that's such a small percentage of shop owners. The the fact that you were in a room with a whole bunch of them, they all raised their hand. Uh, you know, I think they're just maybe lying to themselves. And things. I'm proudly the most expensive down the, uh, up and down the street. I don't know that I'm the most expensive. I don't care. And at the end of the day, I don't care if I'm too expensive. I don't care if I'm cheaper. I'm I'm charging what I need to charge. Yeah, and I mean, that's wh- it. Yeah, What it amounts to me, to me for is we've got a
3: bunch of guys that want to be Ruth's Chris. Okay? And I don't have a problem. I mean, Ruth's Chris has a great reputation. They serve great food and all this other stuff. But Ruth's Chris, last time I checked, isn't turning tables like McDonald's is. And so somebody might look at McDonald's and say, yeah, but I don't serve garbage food and whatever. They're not serving food. They're serving synthetic garbage, you know, and the customers that are walking in know exactly what they're getting. I'm in the drive-thru, in and out in three minutes. Every And where, whether I'm in Tokyo or whether I'm in Grand Rapids or whether I'm in, you know, in Kansas, it's going to taste the same way. It's predictable. It's, it's what I'm yeah. looking for. And that's, as an industry, I don't think we understand the nuance yet of delivering exactly what the customer is either expecting or changing their expectation, more importantly, training them to do business our way. And we can't do that on the first call when they're calling about something as silly as, something as inconsequential as, well, are you going to charge me for Diag? Well, in the the big picture, no. So let's take that off the table, okay? Because you're paying for the job that we're going to do for your vehicle here. We got right past that. And then they get to be serviced by a company that's been around for 20, 30 years by, by a tech by a technician crew who's worked together for over 10 or 15 years. There's not a shop in town that has a crew of guys that have been together for 10 years plus. We haven't lost anybody. Why? Because we are a relationship business. The customers are walking in the door. And, and to those folks that say, well, man, I can't believe how much it costs to... To to do a, uh, a a water pump on on today's cars, I thought they were this much and that much, and and so rather than me s- it's trying to explain it and talking parts and labor and all this other stuff, what I say to somebody is, you know, Dutch, you're absolutely right. I can't believe how much electricity has gone up. I can't believe how much payroll has gone up. I can't believe how much uh, our, our fixed and variable costs and parts have gone up. You're absolutely right. Now, with all due respect, will that be cash or credit? And, and that's no. and that's the bottom line. I mean, I don't say that of course, but the bottom line is it's that you we have if you provide the empathy, that emotional uh that emotional uh, response to people that are emotional over the phone, they the, you're giving them something that they're not getting from a bunch of left minded, left left-brained, highly productive, highly uh highly talented technicians that are now trying to to muddle their way through this shark-infested, price-sensitive, highly competitive uh, uh, online disaster. That is, you know those companies. we, We all know those companies. But you can work with those, even with those customers. It's just a matter of changing their mindset about it changing their mindset about rather than uh, what is it that we always say you know you're asking a great question but frankly you're asking the wrong question you know that question that you're asking is isn't really appropriate at this time like one of the things i've always said to my, my guys is uh, and other uh, other uh, shop owners is we were unlucky enough or lucky enough depending how you look at it to be in an ind- in an industry that, uh, that thinks that it's all about bad news. You know, we're not, we don't own a a fishing boat in the, in Jamaica such that three generations of family show up on your boat and you're going to take them out on the water and you're going to do, you're going to, you're going to provide them with memories that will last a lifetime. That 80 year old grandpa, this is the, the, this is the apex of his life. He has all three generations or four generations with him, and they're going to spend money like it's their last day. And in the case of this 80-year-old grandfather, it could be his last. I mean, he could be third stage cancer and this is the way he's spending his money on his family. We did not choose that kind of in, uh, uh, industry. And why we we think that we we should ever, ever deliver any bad news whatsoever is beyond me. And, and to me, you said the word earlier, David, you said uh, apprehension. We cause little bombs to go off over the phone unnecessarily. And so I want to dial down the tension on the phone. And so if that sounds Matt like it's bait and switch, um, certainly if you don't know me in person, but I, I promise you, I promise you, it is all it comes with good intention, and the results speak for themselves. We have a great customer base that understands we're people of 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 integrity, and and I do my fair chair uh, my fair share of charity. And the reason I do my fair share of charity is because the conversions that we make to bring people that, that came in on, hey, honey, how much is it going to cost me? Um, and and once they walk in and we develop a relationship, we never ever have to have that conversation anymore.
1: Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast along with the work of ASOG, just go to our website, asog.site, and click on the Become a Patron Now button. Becoming a patron gets you several perks, including the podcasts early, supports the podcast, and is entirely tax-deductible. That's because ASOG is a 501c3 educational charity. Once again, make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast, and if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. It helps us out. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel and hitting that like button. Remember that this is only part one of the entire conversation. Part two will be out next week. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, or if you have any topic suggestions, please reach out to me via email. My email address is david at asog.site. That's D-A-V-I-D at A-S-O-G dot S-I-T-E. Until next time.